One day our Lord is coming, and it will be a glorious day. Amen. 192 as we get started this morning. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glorious day, one day they led him up Calvary's mountain, one day they nailed him to die on the tree, suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins, my Redeemer is he. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glorious day, on the fourth one day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now is ascended my Lord evermore. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he my sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glorious day, one day the trumpet will sound for his coming, the skies with his glory will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved one's bringing, glorious Savior, this Jesus is mine. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever, come on. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. Amen. If you're glad about his coming, say amen. 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 Turn to page 109. Getting into the Christmas spirit, not the holiday, it's the Christmas spirit. Amen. 109, it came upon the midnight clear. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of old. From angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold, 
to men from hands all gracious king the world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled and still their heavenly music floats for all the weary world above its sad and lonely plains they bend on hovering wing and ever o'er its babble sounds the blessed angels sing and ye beneath life's crushing load whose forms are bending low who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow look now for that and golden hours come swiftly on the wing oh rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing for lo the days are hastening on my prophet bards foretold when with the ever circling years comes round the age of gold when peace shall roll over all the earth its ancient splendors fling and the whole world give back the song which now the angels sing amen let's pray dear heavenly father we thank you once again for the privilege of gathering together in your name we thank you for each one that has taken the time and made the effort to be here this morning lord we ask now that you would take this time that we have dedicated to your worship and allow us to do exactly that this morning. We, play, we pray that you take out of our mind all the cares and burdens of this life. Lord, that we would be able to understand who you are and how you would solve and how you would deal with the problems that we face. Lord, we pray that we would go forth from this place better equipped to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz. And now let's turn to page 186, page 186, and can it be? And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Die he for me who caused his pain. Me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? On the third, he left his father's throne above. So, when finished his grace, 
emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy of immense and free. chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed thee, amen, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me, no condemnation, no condemnation now I dread and all in him is mine alive in him my living head and clothed in righteous flames divine bold I approach the eternal my own amazing love how can it be that thou my God shouldst die for me Amen and let's just do one more song 105 page 105 O come all ye faithful O Come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exultation. O sing, O ye bright hosts of heaven above. Glory to God, O glory in the highest. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. At this time, we'll have all the children, 11 and under, dismissed to the children's church. Let's sing that last verse. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, 
born this happy morning, Jesus to thee be your glory. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, oh come let us adore him, oh come let us adore him, oh come let us adore him. And just before the message this morning, we had Brother Franz sing us a special. Listen to the words. Let it prepare your heart for the message. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice i hear falling on my ear the son of god discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known he speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever I'd stay in the garden with him, though the night around me be falling. But he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling. me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tell 
is our prayer that we would be able to live the words of that song, amen, to walk with the Lord Jesus every day. And that has been our theme over the last several weeks. Here on Sunday mornings, we have uh, started about in, in Luke chapter 17, and let's turn there in Luke chapter 17, and uh, in the apostles are asking here, are are making a, a plea to the Lord to increase their faith. And two weeks ago here, Sunday morning, we talked about reasons why we should even desire that our faith be increased. And last Sunday morning, we spent time talking about the attitude and the heart and the things that we need to do to increase our faith. That was kind of a quiet Sunday morning, wasn't it? Uh, because it was one of those messages that hit every one of us right where we are because there's not a one of us uh, that is not in need of having our faith increased. Amen? And this morning, what I'd like for us to do is spend some time and, and try to tie this idea up on what will happen or the results in your life of having increased faith. Now, let's just start here. And uh, we're going to start reading in verse 5. It says, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should Obey you. But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meat, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank the servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye... When ye have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. And so as we look at this passage, Jesus is trying to help the disciples understand something. They, they understand the first need here. They say, we need our faith to be increased. And Jesus said, listen, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, to be honest with you, the only way I've seen mustard seed is ground up into a nice yellow paste with French's on the front of it. Uh, I, I like yellow mustard, bright yellow mustard. Uh, but this was a colloquialism, a, a saying in the... In the Jew, among the Jewish people that if anything was minuscule, if it was uh, like next to nothing, it was described as a grain of mustard seed. Uh, today we say that's nothing. And, uh, or the, there's different phrases that we use. We use a drop in the bucket. Do you know that came from the Bible? The book of Job. Uh, there's lots of different phrases that we use to describe something that is 
near worthless or absolutely too small to get the job done. And that's where this phrase, a grain of mustard seed, comes in. It was just something that people used when they wanted to talk about next to nothing. And Jesus uses that phrase, something everyone would have understood. You know, I've read some commentaries and and uh, not to make too much of a pun here, but they go to seed about the mustard seed. Pages and pages of, of which variety of mustard it must have been and how that it was such a small seed, but really not the smallest seed in all the world and on and on and on. Jesus was just trying to make a point here. Let the words stand as they do. Amen. Uh, don't try to read into everything in the Scripture. You get in trouble that way. And so, as Jesus was saying, he said, if you had... Next to nothing, faith. You could say to this sycamine tree. Now, uh, many people said, oh, he must be talking about sycamore. No, it's sycamine is a tree that grows there in the land of Israel. Uh, It gets up to about 70 foot tall. It's a big tree. He said, you could say to this tree, be thou plucked up by the roots and cast into the sea. And Jesus was there, um, uh, uh, you know, you talk about the land of Israel, you have the Mediterranean Sea on the one side, the Sea of Galilee on the other side. Um, uh, No matter where you are, you're about, unless you're on the coast, you're somewhere easily. Jerusalem, I think, is about 25 miles to the ocean. Now, a 70-foot tree jumping up out of the ground and flying 20 miles through the air and landing in the ocean would be a pretty miraculous event, would it not? I I mean, uh, it wouldn't happen that way by accident, shall we say? And Jesus, again, is using what we call hyperbole to illustrate the point with men. In in those days, they didn't have... Uh, the super huge helicopters that could lift things up and all that kind of stuff. And so to just speak and have something like that happen would be just beyond belief, would it not? How many of you remember uh, on one of our watch night services, I think we showed the uh, movie Sheffy about the old-time Methodist preacher, and he was traveling through the Appalachian region, uh, just preaching the gospel back in the hills to little groups and individuals. And he ran on a, uh, a moonshiner. And this was in the early 1800s. And uh, he prayed that God would drop an oak tree on the moonshiner still. And the moonshiner began to laugh. He said, there's not an oak tree in a hundred yards of this place. Now, this was supposed to have really happened. There, there was an oak tree on the edge of a cliff, and during a big storm, that oak tree tumbled down the side of the mountain. And what, Does anybody want to guess where it landed? Right on the still. And the, the story really happened. The story was that the moonshiner woke up the next morning and saw the branches of an oak tree crushing his still, and he stopped making moonshine and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you. That's faith, amen? Now, how many people are willing to go down and find them a moonshiner in Appalachia and try to pray an oak tree on their stealth? No, that's, that's not faith. That's foolishness, amen? Faith does not deal 
with things that God does not set before us in our daily walk with Him. Amen? Faith is real. And if we're going to have our faith increased, we need to start where we are, not where we want to be. Amen? I mean, most of us have ideas in our head and as we get a little bit older, we begin to realize that most of those ideas are simply ideas. You know, we men have a problem. We look in the mirror and we see someone about 19, 20 years old, well-defined muscles looking back at us, the prime of health, fit. Now, don't look at me that way, guys. You know you do this. And you always make sure that the mirror stops right about here so it doesn't show what hangs over the belt. Amen? Ladies, you do the same thing. My daughter, we were taking the missionaries around in Manhattan during our missions conference. And uh, we were down by, I think it was Battery Park, wasn't it? We found this little picture of a kitty cat looking in a mirror. And it had, in the mirror, they had transposed a picture of a roaring lion looking back. <laughs> Very cute picture. I mean, some of us ought to just put that up somewhere to remind us that what we see in the mirror is not reality. Amen? Faith is being able to look at what really is there. Not what we want to be there. Not what we hope to be there. Faith does not change imagination. Faith does not change fantasy. Faith always deals in facts. And I want us to look here. By the way, I just want to remind you by way of introduction in our message this morning that it doesn't take a huge amount of faith to get a lot done. Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed. If you had next to nothing faith, miraculous things will happen. Now, here's the point that God is trying to make and help us understand. How many people know where faith comes from? Only three? Come on. How many people know where faith comes from? You can put your hand up if you know where it comes from. Okay. Faith cometh by what? Hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Faith does not come from you. We have this idea that somehow, if I just pray and pray and pray and believe and believe and believe that whatever I want is going to happen, that's not Bible faith. That is the faith that belongs in the mystical religions of the East. They give you a mantra in Hinduism. That's what you want to be. And you repeat that mantra over and over and over and over and over again until you make it real. Now, if you listen to Joel Olstein, that's his message. His message is not faith in God. Though he uses the word God, he holds a Bible because no one would believe him if he didn't. 
But his message is not faith from this book called the Bible. His message is faith in yourself and believe in you. And if you believe it, it will happen to you. Nothing could be further from the truth. We have a group of people, we, we call it name it and claim it. And if you've ever heard any of them preach, you'll know why we call it name it and claim it. If you want a new Cadillac, you name it and God will give it to you. That's not faith. The center of faith is never what happens to you. The center of faith is upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Now, let me tell you something. If God is going to be glorified, guess what? He has to change you to get it done. Amen? You're going to benefit from increased faith in your life. But that's not the goal. That's not the end game. That's not what we're heading for is an improved you. Where we're going with faith and where true faith always goes is to the glorification of God himself. And it's not running around saying, Jesus gave me a brand new Rolex. You'll notice I don't even wear a watch anymore. That's not faith. Because not everyone who names the name of Jesus Christ has had the opportunity to wear a brand new Rolex, have they? Read Hebrews chapter 11. It said some of them wandered destitute hungry, without proper clothing. Because they had faith, they were deprived of these things. They were hunted like dogs. I should say they were hunted like animals by dogs would be much more appropriate. Why were they hunted down? It was because of their faith. What did Jesus say about them? The writer of Hebrews, what did Hebrews tell us? We haven't gotten to chapter 11 yet on Thursday night. It said, of whom the world was not worthy. Faith is not determined by the things you possess, the clothes you wear, the job you have, any of those things. Faith is what happens in your life that enhances the reputation of God. That is faith, my friend. Faith is what changes your life so that God gets the credit for it. When our little church endeavored to buy this property in 1997, we had been praying that God would allow us to do something big enough that only He could get the credit for. Amen? And in seven years, God paid off this property. And the fact that we got it. In fact, I ran into a guy I've been witnessing to for years. He's one of the sweepers at the subway stations. He said, how are you guys doing? And I told him, and I invited him again to the Christmas thing next Saturday night and all those things. And, and uh, of course, I don't expect him to come, but we try anyway. Amen. He said, you don't believe it. He says, you can't believe what you did with that building. He said, you bought it at just the right time. He said, property values are just through the roof. He said, that was just absolutely perfect timing. 
I said, well, God knows what he's doing. Amen. I'm not, I'm not that smart. I don't have that much business sense. I don't claim to. Never have. And if you know me, you know it's true. But God takes care of those things. Amen. And that's what faith is. It's just being obedient. And when it's all done, who gets the credit? God does. Now let's take and look in our Bible to Luke chapter 18, just up one chapter. And I, and I want us to just look at a story here that, that outlines what faith really does in your life. And we're going to start in verse 35. And we're going to read through the end of the chapter. And then we're going to come back and just take this story a little bit at a time. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. And it says, And it came to pass that if he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before him rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Now look at the next words very carefully. Thy faith hath what? Saved thee. Let's read that last phrase again. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Now, there's a reason these stories are put in here. Luke chapter 17, the disciples are saying, increase our faith. Luke chapter 18, the beginning of the chapter, if you'll remember, Jesus gives a story of the unjust judge. And he says, I want you to learn how to pray and not to faint. And yet at the end of that story, he says, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find what? Faith on the earth. And we talked how faith is either a diminishing quantity or an increasing. It does not remain the same. Faith is not uh, just solid, uh, complete in, in, in its thing. It is either growing or it is dying. Now, praise God, once you put your faith in God for your soul, He saves you eternally, amen? He doesn't save you halfway. He saves you all the way. Now, let's look at our story here. This man begins to exhibit faith, does he not? As he is sitting there, he is a blind man. They did not have all of the social programs that we have today and workshops and all of these things. If you were blind, you were dependent upon the benevolence of other people or you didn't make it. The Romans didn't care about anybody. And if you could not see, you couldn't work. If you couldn't work, you couldn't earn 
anything. And people in those days, they just didn't take the time to train and give skills. And I mean, it's amazing what blind people do today, is it not? They can navigate the subways in New York City. I know a lot of seeing people that can't navigate the subways in New York City. I mean, it's amazing what blind people can do today. None of those things existed in that day. And this blind man was sitting by the highway. He was begging, and he knew what was going on. This was the week before Passover. Every Jewish person in the entire world was going to be passing down that little road through Jericho to get to Jerusalem. You know, we tend to think that he was just ignorant and sitting by, and you know, he knew what he was doing. He knew where the people were going to be. And if things went very well during this week before Passover, he would be able to have a good living maybe for several months to come. And he heard a great big group passing by. And he said, what's all this going on? And somebody said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And immediately at the top of his lungs, he began screaming. I'm not going to illustrate, all right. I'll, I'll save the speakers in your ears. But I, I want you to imagine. He was not going, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He was making such a noise that people were saying, will you be quiet? You're hurting my ears. And what did he do? He yelled louder. He wanted to get God's attention. Amen? When he was calling him the son of David, that is the title that belongs to the Messiah, the son of God. And God the son, by the way. And so he kept speaking louder and louder and making such a noise that in the multitude, you could hear this guy frantically screaming at the top of his lungs. And Jesus said, whoever that is, get him over here. They said, be of good cheer, he calleth for thee. And you can just imagine the poor blind man stumbling over feet and being pushed along, sometimes cheerfully, sometimes not quite so cheerfully, on his way to find Jesus. And he stood before Jesus. And Jesus just asked him a simple question. He said, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? What do you want me to do for you? Now, we would think that would be a rather obvious question, would we not? The answer was rather obvious, was it not? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. But Jesus' answer wasn't near as obvious as the question was it. The first thing Jesus said unto him, verse 42, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. The first thing faith will do in your life is bring salvation. Amen. If you do not have faith, 
to begin that living relationship with the living God, you have no real faith. You can do everything you want to do. In fact, we have people that do extraordinary things, trying to earn their way to heaven, trying to earn God's favor, trying to prove that they're good enough. That's not faith. Faith is not proving anything. He believed who Jesus is. Amen. You say, why didn't you say he believed who Jesus was? That's more proper grant. No, no, Jesus always is. So you always have to speak present tense when you're talking about Jesus. It sounds a little funny, but it's the only honest way of dealing with the situation. You have to break a few grammatical rules because we're not talking about man. We're talking about God. Amen. Jesus always is. And, and this man believed who Jesus is. And that's what salvation is. Salvation is finally coming to the end of yourself and the end of your effort and the end of your ability and letting Jesus do all the work of taking you to heaven. All God's people said. I mean, if you're saved today, you're saved because you simply let Jesus do all the work. He is the one carrying the burden of your eternal security. I don't know how people live if they believe that they have to keep a certain set of rules or do a certain amount of good things to earn God's favor to go to heaven. What kind of life would that be? We have many people here on earth that struggle trying to prove something to somebody, trying to gain someone else's favor many times between parents and children and say, well, no, nothing I do is good enough. Well, listen, stop, stop trying. If you, if you want confidence in this life and in what's going on, get right with God. Nothing else will matter. If you're right with God, you'll be right with everybody else. You don't have a choice. And the people who don't like what you're doing or who you are, well, listen, if you're right with God, now that's a big if in there, is it not? But if you're right with God, then you're going to be out of favor with all the right people, amen? You know, there are some people in this world, I don't want them saying nice things about me. I don't want them to, to say, oh, he's just such a wonderful person, he's my best friend. You know, what would it say about you if, you if I came into the pulpit and said, I'd like to introduce my best friend, John Gotti Jr. He and I are buds from way back. What would that say about my character? What would that say about me? Nothing good, right? You say, well, you're judging. He was acquitted three times. No, he wasn't acquitted. The jury was hung. There's a lot of questions about that man's character. Listen, when we talk about faith, if I'm right with God, He'll take care of the other things. Amen? 
This man came to Jesus and Jesus addressed his issue. His issue was blindness. But Jesus addressed the real issue. He said, thy faith has saved thee. It's interesting, he said, thy faith has saved thee before he received his sight. See, that's what happens when you get saved. Is we are blind by sin. We cannot see and understand things. That's why this book called the Bible is often termed by the world just a confusing book. Well, you know, if you're blind, all books are confusing unless they're written in Braille. Right? If you're blind by sin to the things of God, this book is confusing to you. It doesn't make any sense. But faith is what opens our eyes so that we can see. And before his eyes were opened, Jesus told him, Thy faith has saved thee. Then in verse 43, it says, And immediately he received his sight. There are some people that are looking for some emotional experience. That's not necessarily salvation. I've seen many people get saved. Some, boy, I mean, they're just as stoic as an old potato. Just, I mean, nothing, just, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I'll do. I want to get saved. I've seen others, men and women, shed tears. Just be so filled with emotion that they can't even begin to put into words what's happening. Did the emotional ones get any more saved than the unemotional ones? Absolutely not. But I'll tell you one thing. After you get saved and understand what salvation is, then everybody gets a little emotional. Amen? Save the emotions for when they'll do you some good. Don't wait your salvation trying to find some mystical, magical, fireworks, some experience. Because that's not what salvation is. It's just believing the words of God. Amen. Letting Him do the work. But once you get saved, let me tell you, God is going to answer your prayer. That's the second thing that faith will bring in your life is answered prayer. This man wanted to see. He thought that was his biggest problem. He came to the right one, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he put all of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and he let nothing else deter him, distract him, or keep him from his goal of reaching Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you want to reach Jesus, He is reachable to anyone who wants to be reached. Amen? It says, For God so loved what? Only the people who live in America, right? No. For God so loved only the people that will be saved someday. No. For God so loved the world. That's everybody. Amen? That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have almost everlasting life, right? No, have everlasting life, the real thing, all the way. It doesn't end. 
It's not, you didn't get it because of you, and you're not going to keep it because of you. You get it because of God, and you'll keep it because of God. The next thing that happens is answered prayer. This man received his sight. There's been many reasons why people get saved. You could tell the stories this morning if, if people wanted to tell their stories. Sometimes it's personal struggle and, and problems and they, they just reach to the depth of the soul and, and they just are so overwhelmed by everything that's going on around them. They say, I can't handle it anymore. I've got to find something bigger than me. And they find God. You see, they go out looking for a solution to the family problems or to the drug addiction, to the alcohol, or to, the, to just being a horrible person. They find Jesus Christ, and they get salvation. And then God begins working on those things that we've been praying for. Amen? God wants us to pray. In John chapter 16, let me just read you the verse. It says, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. How many of you have ever prayed for something and God answered that prayer? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Sometimes you ought to just write it down in a little book so you can go back and remember but sometimes you ought not write it down because you go back and spend all your time in your little book and not keep reaching out for new things. Amen? God doesn't want us just to believe in Him for salvation. He wants us to believe in Him for every day. Every day is an opportunity for a new miracle from God. The greatest miracle of all is to see people get saved. Amen? Now, it didn't end with salvation and answered prayer. Look what it says here in verse 43. And immediately he received his sight. Now, read these next three words with me, okay? And followed him. Let's try that again. Are you Luke chapter 18, verse 43? And uh, it says, and immediately he received his sight. Now, I want you to read those next three words with me. And followed him. Do you know what faith will do in your life? Real Bible faith will make you follow Jesus. I've had people say, well, Pastor, I, I don't know what's happening to me. I, I'm different than I used to be. It's called getting saved, Amen. It's called living for Jesus. It's called following Him. You don't have a choice if you let faith do its work in your life. It's we human beings that mess this thing up and make it so complicated. But real faith will get answers to prayer and real faith will make you follow Jesus. I love that song that we sing sometimes on Sunday morning. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. The things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. 
Sometimes we need to say the things I used to wear, I don't wear them anymore. The things I used to think, I don't think them anymore. I mean, we could have lots of verses to that song, couldn't we? You know, there's been a great change since I've been born again. Amen? That's what faith does. Here's a blind man. His concern is for his sight. Jesus comes along and he asks for mercy and Jesus gives it to him. He says, number one, thy faith has saved thee. Then his prayer is answered and he receives his sight. You know, don't try to solve your problems to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and let him solve your problems. Amen. That's what faith does. And then, now get ready. If you don't want to follow Jesus, then... You don't have faith. Faith demands you to follow Jesus. See, but I'm having so much fun in the world. Well, number one, I'd question your veracity on that. Say, what do you mean? Well, I think we could get a bunch of people up here that would stand up and say, I thought I was having fun in the world, but now I know how stupid I was. Say, Pastor, you shouldn't use words like stupid from the pulpit. But I think we ought to because it really describes what we did before we got saved. Amen? Can I get some? Okay, there's a couple out there. I mean, what we did before we were saved. I remember my old friend Joe witnessed to him when I was pumping gas at a gas station in high school. He'd come in all bleary-eyed and just staggering into work. He said, must have had a great time last night because I sure am sick this morning. I'll tell you, even if I didn't know Jesus Christ, Joe's testimony had been enough to tell me to stay away from all that stupid stuff. I know how much fun I had by how sick I am. That's dumb. I'll tell you, I've had an awful lot of joy serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't go away. And it's not replaced by a migraine headache and other things that come along with overindulgence in the things of this world. Do we need to go there? Don't think so. Amen? Most of you have been leaning over the bucket of overindulgence at one time or another in your life. Amen? That's enough. Faith says, I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't have any regrets about following Jesus. Somebody says, uh, I was at the Crown Plaza Hotel this week talking to the sales ladies that uh, give us the church discount and thing over there. And and, uh, I happened to mention something about the children and the family and they just looked at me like what do you do with ten kids? Well you take care of them, amen? And I'll tell you the blessings are unbelievable when they start growing up and start making their own decisions and their right decisions that's wonderful, amen? That's incredible. 
of Jesus. You know, your children will want what you want. They will love what you love. And the last thing that happens, and followed him what? Glorifying God. Who gets the credit? God does. And what did all the other people who saw this blind man do? They gave praise unto God. When you offer your life to God through faith, that means he's the one that determines what you do with your life. I praise God for parents that told me from the time I was old enough to understand. We don't care what you do with your life. We just want you to do what God wants you to do with your life. I have two younger brothers. One's a preacher. Uh, the spiritual one in the family, he's a sports information director at, at Southern Miss. Uh, no. Uh, but that's what he does. But listen, we are doing with our lives what God wants us to do. My children, I want them to do with their lives what God wants them to do. I've got one little boy that says, I want to be a missionary in Iraq. And he hasn't forgotten that. And he keeps talking about it. Kind of a scary thought. But if that's what God wants Stevie to do, that's what I want Stevie to do. Amen? So, well, what are you going to do if he lives over there and you never see him again? Well, I'll cry. But I'll, I'll let God take care of that. That's what faith is. Amen? Somebody said, I don't know what to do. My kids are going to leave and I'm going to be all alone. Hey, you, you start when they're born. Remembering they don't belong to you. They're a gift from God. Amen? then you'll be able to let them go when it comes time and not mourn over their loss or kick them out of the door because you can't stand them anymore. Amen? Neither one is very good. You want to let them do what God wants. That's what faith is. I'm getting real close to letting my first one go. I got a pretty tight grip, don't I, Peter? I love my kids, amen? But I want them to go where God wants them to go. Hitherto, he's had very little choice in his life. Dad makes them for him, amen? That's what parents are supposed to do. But there comes a time when they start growing up and they've got to make their own decisions. My faith is not in my son. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes a difference. You want increased faith. Let's go back to the story of the servant. It's understanding that that faith didn't come from you and it doesn't come from what you do. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by God's word. Faith belongs to God. He's going to allow us to borrow it. It will bring salvation. It will bring answered prayer. 
It will cause us to follow Christ. And when people look at us, they will glorify God. And so will we. If you want to increase faith, that's where it starts. Amen? Don't ever get over your salvation. You know what I mean by that? Get so comfortable in the fact that you're saved that you stop realizing what God saved you from. That you start thinking, I'm a pretty good person here. Uh-uh. What did the servant say? I'm an unprofitable servant. I've done that which is my duty to do. Don't ever get over answered prayer. Every prayer that God answers, you've got to realize that you have made contact with the creator of the universe and he cared enough about your life to answer that prayer. You talk about miraculous. That is miraculous, my friend. And all he wants us to do is follow him. No, God doesn't want everybody to be a preacher. Because if everyone were a preacher, who would the preachers preach to? Right? We're to serve the Lord together where He has us. He will put things in front of you. He will make your life count for eternity's sake. If you'll just follow Him. It said, ask that you may receive that your joy, what? Might be full. You want full joy in your life? Just be obedient to Christ. Amen. That's where it is. Did we get an amen out of somebody on that? Do you have that joy in your life? If you don't, we got a place here called an altar. That's where you make the living sacrifice. You come and you say, God, I want more faith. Amen. God, I want you to do things in my life. Because when we get to heaven, you know what heaven's going to be about? Heaven's going to be about glorifying God. Read Revelation 4 and 5. You want to practice for heaven? Start doing things that glorify God now. That's, what, that's how you get ready for heaven. I don't know if anybody will remember, but years ago we had a missionary, this was back in the old building, named Bob Brennan, come in. And he was in Brazil for several years and ministered to Jewish people and we had him come in and teach a soul-winning conference and things here at our church. And uh, this was back 96, 95, something like that. He just went home to be with the Lord, October 31st. And his wife wrote the letter uh, saying that Bob used to say in his life, he said, I wonder what it's going to be like to meet Jesus. He said, I wonder if I'm going to shake his hand. Or he said, like they do in Brazil, give a big bear hug. He said, but I think I know what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to be on my face at his feet. And his wife wrote in the letter, she said, Bob's been sick for the last several years, Alzheimer's and then cancer on top of it. They have hospice taking care of him at the home there. We're... And she said, before I even knew he passed away, 
he was already on his face at Jesus' feet. You want comfort? That's where you're going to get comfort. You want strength? That's where you're going to get strength. Glorifying God with your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we ask. Lord, sometimes we really don't understand what we ask for. Lord, I, I don't think there's a person in this room this morning that would misunderstand or disagree with the fact that we need to ask for increased faith. Lord, if we only had the grain of a mustard seed, we could think, see things so mighty and so great done that all the world would just stand in awe. And yet we have people in this room that their friends and family have seen them delivered from alcohol, seen them delivered from drugs and debauchery and wickedness. Lord, there's not a one of us in this room that doesn't struggle to get answered prayer and to follow you. We ask that we would see those results in our life and increased faith. We pray for those that are with us here today that are not saved, that do not know you as their personal Savior, that today would be the day they would just surrender to the Lord and be saved. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in what happens here at your church. In your name we pray, amen. Let's stand together. Have Brother Franz come and lead us in the hymn of invitation, song we use often here, 541. The words of the song say, only trust him. If you need to be saved, that's what you need to do. If you are saved and you're just struggling with life, would you just let go? And trust Him. As we sing, will you come? Come, every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you, He will save you, He will save you now. We'll just let the piano continue to play. Let's bow our heads where we are. And if you need to come, now is the time. Let's not wait on the Lord.
all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I want to take just a few moments, remind you, uh, we've uh, printed up another thousand of the little flyers there. And if you want to take a handful with you and just pass them out, please uh, be welcome to do so. Um, if you'd like to uh, take about a half hour before you go to work, especially in the morning, uh, if you go at the regular time, we have somebody meet you at the train station and just pass out a, a bunch of flyers and you say, well, I don't live right around here. Well, maybe come in early and uh, get off at the train station and then get back on and go to work. Uh, however you would like to do that, we'd like to make that opportunity. Uh, looking forward to Saturday night. Um, I need to get a rough idea how many people are planning to be here because uh, the same man that uh, gave us the, the meat and things for the 4th of July picnic that we had is talking about doing it again, and so we need to get a rough guesstimate of how many people would be here. If you just kind of lift your hand here, if you can be here Saturday night, uh, we would love to have you come. Okay, let me just, just hold it up for just a second. And if somebody else is coming, it's not here. Hold up two hands. Oh, okay. There we go. All right, let's see. Okay, I, I think we've got it there. And uh, rough guesstimate anyway. And uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, Brother Saravia, the Iglesia Baptista International is going to be there, and uh, Brother Shaw and the Iglesia Baptista Nova Vida. Did I say that kind of close? Okay, almost. Portuguese, anyway, I'm not very good at that stuff. And uh, we're going to have a song in Russian. We're going to have a song in sign language, right? Okay. And John and Linda are going to sing for us. And if you've never seen the deaf sing, you're, you're missing something. It's, uh, it's very, very special. And so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I'm also looking forward to Brother Clayton being here. He is a dear friend. He is the first evangelist we've ever had in this church. Uh, he's a man that literally trained me in the ministry. And uh, I love having Brother Clayton. It's like having Grandpa back for a week. And... Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, looking forward to having him in. He'll be preaching all day Sunday uh, as well. Members, remember, we have an, a uh, meeting tonight for the Lord's Supper at 515. Uh, that is for members of the church only, and so we want to invite you uh, to that. And also, look at your calendar. I made a mistake last week, as I'm prone to do. Uh, it's Tuesday, December 19th is the ladies' meeting, not December 12th. I got the wrong Tuesday there. So, uh, ladies, if you could put that on your calendar. And then Saturday the 16th is a children's program. That's children 4 to, is it 4? 4 to 12. And uh, uh, there's going to be skits and ventriloquism and songs and fun and crafts and all kinds of stuff. And so I want to invite you uh, to be there for all of that. All right, let's uh, have our ushers come at this time and we'll receive this morning's offering.
want the little ones to learn how to use their talent for the Lord. Amen? Talent is about 90% practice. Amen? All right. Um, See, Brother George, you pray for the offering. Uh, Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this sunny morning. We thank you, Lord, for each one that is present today. We thank you, Lord, for your message. And, Lord, we pray that as we continue to hear your message, may you uh, bless us with with the Holy Spirit to grow in faith, that we can live a life that will give glory unto you. Thank you, Lord, for the provision uh, for our daily needs. Thank you, Lord, especially the provision to partake in this offering. Please accept it and bless it and use it to do your will. Lord, we pray that as we leave this church, you will continue to guide us and watch over us. This we pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Brother Franz, come and lead us. As we are dismissed, 705, if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us. I was just thinking maybe um, 